This is Rob Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Here's Barrett, so shake it big, catch a three! like we're in day three talking about the wonderful New York Knicks just goes to show how bored I've been um, with no Yankees with no more NBA and you know not being a big NFL fan (laughs) there's not much to do now at night during my normal um, recording times um I was watching the Braves game earlier Braves Dodgers first of all it is so good to have fans back in the crowd or crowd a crowd back in the stands. It's fucking awesome. It's only 11,000. Um, and I, I know they're doing it for uh, the NLCS only um, for now until they get to the World Series. But it's so cool to see fans back. I mean, to me, that's huge. That is so big. Um, just watching it as a baseball fan. I just like seeing you know, actual human beings there. You know, I felt lonely, you know, watching just players. It just felt, it was so lonely. It's good to see actual interaction now with the fans there. It was so awesome. And, um, <laughs> um, it was, Do- I'm pretty sure it was mostly consisting of, I'm going to say Dodgers fans being that the game was in Dodgers stadium, but yeah, it's fucking so cool. Dodgers almost came back. Almost came back. It was like, first of all, it was seven nothing for like the first six innings. I want to say, and then um, you know they were chipping away for a bit, made it seven to three with the home run from somebody. Um, it might have been Betts later to tack on with an RBI, make it seven to four, and then somebody else hit a big blast in the ninth. It was as close as seven to six, um, like an RBI double. I don't, know, I don't remember exactly, but they ended up losing with a ground ball. You know, an error by Ozzy Albies was almost very costly. Um, they were on the ropes, the Braves were, but the Dodgers ended up grounding out to third base. Again, forget who it was, and that was the game. And now they're down 2 nothing. You know, now it looks like Atlanta is in control, 2 nothing. And on the flip side, it looks like the, the Rays just keep cruising unfortunately well no fortunately because nobody wants the Astros to win but once the Rays do the Rays move on to the World Series I will be rooting for you know the National League side um but yeah it's been an interesting uh championship series for both leagues so far you know it doesn't seem like any of these two games have been uh or any of these two series have been close yet so I'm hoping for one of them to go seven games, but but we'll fucking see. 
hope everybody else is doing well tonight. Hope everybody's doing well. Um, yeah, episode 166. Move the camera a little closer of the podcast tonight. I am your host, Rob Carbone. Okay. We're doing episode 166 of BD4, uh, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. <laughs> um, hmm, it rained again today. You know, it's been very rainy here. Shit. It was, um, what was it? I don't know. I like got like a fucking month or two ago. Where this is a whole different topic than where I'm going, but there was a bear sighting. I think it was like a month or two ago in the town next to me. And earlier tonight, I get a text from my mother saying there's another bear. And I saw also on social media, there's a fucking bear sighting today as well. I don't know what's going on here in Summit. (laughs) Fuck. It's weird, dude. And we never get bears over here. But there's been bears. There's been bears. <laughs> and there's... Um, my uncle took a picture. There's a bear... That bear was down the fucking street from where I am. It was down the street. Literally right over there. It's crazy. Never seen that. Within a couple of months. Bear sightings. We usually get one you know, every couple... Maybe once a year at best. <laughs> at most, rather. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. So in Jersey, when we get bears, we go nuts. You know, I'm sure wherever, uh, you know, up north more, it's like, uh, seeing a fucking, uh, seeing, it's, it's probably like seeing a bird, right? <laughs> it's just the everyday life. Um, all right. Well, let's head to our first break and I guess we'll, guess we'll get into things when we get back. Be right back. So really quick, I just want to remind you that if you haven't subscribed to my podcast on the many different platforms that I'm on, you can do so right now. And all you got to do to do that is go to my website. Just go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Once again, in order to subscribe to the podcast and listen to the podcast or watch it on the many platforms we have, go to my website at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. So we talked about Julius Randle a couple nights ago in part one of this um, Knicks offseason draft talk. But I do want to talk a little bit more about him because I think it's important. You know, he's been a hot topic um, amongst Knicks fans (laughs) and the organization and stuff. So while he's here, you know, because I know he's been surrounded in trade rumors and Whatever, you know, I, we can talk about trading him while we want, getting rid of that contract, getting him off this squad. Sure, you know, I'm for it. I would love it. We all we all know that. Um, why do I feel like this camera is not moving closer? But um, while he is here, because he is here, he is a Nick, and we have to root for him right now. Uh, you know, we we want to find out how we can get this guy to take that next step. Right, because that was the um, that 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 was the hope when we signed Julius Randle, um, you know, last off season. We were hoping he would have built off that career season he had in New Orleans with the Pelicans. You know, um, but you know the story was different. 
he was a sixth man over there, came here and was asked to be the number one guy by the organization. And obviously that didn't go well. David Fizil just coached him terribly. Mike Miller did a much better job. Better job, but still not great. Still some inconsistencies in Randall's game. So how how now with a with another coach coming in to coach this guy because he's had a lot of coaches in his career, right? He played for the Lakers, played for the Pelicans, who you know a couple of coaching changes with the Knicks. Now that's that's what it's going to be his fifth coach, maybe more. So now Tom Thibodeau comes into the picture, and you know Julius Randle coming into year two with the Knicks. How can the Knicks get him to play on top of his game? How can they get him to be that efficient big that they were hoping to get, who could occasionally stretch the floor? How could they get him back to that level? Well, I'm hoping Tom Thibodeau can help him. Um, and you know, watching Tom Thibodeau over the years, you know, I, I'm not, I was never a, a fucking diehard Bulls fan, and I didn't watch the Timberwolves, but I, I did. You know, I know enough hoops, and I've watched enough ball. To know that Thibodeau used his bigs, he loved using his bigs um, in action at the top of the key, on the high post, near the elbow. He used them a lot. You know, Taj Gibson, he ran him a lot up there. Joakim Noah, playmake. He was a he was playmaking a ton at the top of that post, top of the key. You know, that elbow area. A lot of playmaking from his bigs up there. And so you're thinking, you know, Julius Randle, when he was on, he did a lot of the damage in that area, right? He had his fair share of bad games. Don't get me wrong. You know, his first Knicks season, I, I, you know, I topped him out at a C. No better than the C. Great. But when he had his dominant games, he was 15 feet and in, right? The high key. And then, you know, to the low block, to the restricted area. He didn't, you know, he was dominant in that area at the top of the key. So you're hoping that Tom Thibodeau, maybe he uses Randall as a playmaker at the top of the key. Like he did with Joakim Noah. Because remember, Noah in his prime was a four, five assist guy. Believe it or not, Knicks fans, he was actually once good. (laughs) Um, and you hope that Thibodeau can not only have him as a passer at the top of the key, where you know a lot of Randall's passes and some of his assists did come in those areas on the court, but you could also you know expect him to get Randall to thrive there scoring, and to get Randall to you know screen in those areas as well. You know, use him more as a pick and roll roll man. That is where he's most effective. Very good off the ball, setting screens and rolling or setting screens for other guys to go in and attack the rim. He's got a big body. He's got finishing skills. He's got enough quickness. So I think, I expect him, I expect Tom Thibodeau to use Julius Randle in that high post at the top of the key. I think he's going to spend a lot a lot more time out there instead of trying to advance the ball up the court 
you know, and do stupid shit like that, like he was doing last year, especially under Fizdale. I expect him to use him in space. I expect him just like I expect Tibbs to use R.J. Barrett in the open lanes. You know, I expect Randall to abuse those open lanes with his quick moves more instead of over dribbling into traffic and doing those stupid spin moves. I don't think he needs to do that anymore. I think Thibodeau should stress him using him quickly right away and attacking those open lanes, not over dribbling like a point forward. Keep him on the move and not and not stopping the offense. You know, reacting, not thinking. When Randall gets the ball at the top of that post, top of the key, two dribbles or less, get to the rim. No need to, you know, shake and bake, prance and dance, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Get right to the rim. I think you need to keep him moving, keep him active. And that was the issue with the Nick offense a lot last year. Randall was one of those guys who stopped the offense. Other guys did so as well. But Randall, obviously the number one option, pretty sure he led in usage rate, was very, you know, stagnant. So I think Thibodeau is going to use him at the top a lot more, but he's also going to try to use him in space and and get him to move around. And when he gets that ball, right away he's going to get him to attack the rim. That's one thing I would like for him to stress. Use him as a role man, okay? Use him as a cutter. Don't use him as much just in these one-on-one, not so much isolation, but just trying to beat you and, and go out of the way of the play situations. Not to say Randall can't step outside and expand his game. You know, he can shoot the three when he takes intelligent shots, right? Okay, he shot a terrible poor, what was it, 27, 26%, something like that last season. Top of my head here. He can shoot it, though. He just needs to be intelligent. You know, shoot the three in moderation. He doesn't need to go up there, you know, creating for himself and taking step-back threes and thinking he's, again, a point guard like James Harden. Catch and shoot opportunities, open three-pointers, you know, with his feet set um, in the corners because he shot 39% from three-point distance in the corners. And I think two years ago, he shot 40% in corner three. So two out of the last three years, he shot near 40% from, from corner. He could shoot that corner three. That's where you should hit him. And I, I mentioned last night in episode 165, the Knicks need to use the corners more. You know, player positioning, but also shooting in those corners. It's the most efficient three-point shot. And that's why Randall has his most efficient numbers there. It's easier. So just and more intelligently shoot the three. Just don't abuse it and don't take stupid threes. That was his issue. Um, he might, you know, not to say he can't do isolation anymore. You know, when he isolates, again, at the, you know, the high post, on the wing, but a moderation. Right, in space, um, you know, and I want Thibodeau to make sure he gets on Randall, and you know has Randall do a better job of of reading those double teams and avoiding those double team turnovers. You know, so I would like to see him use him more effectively and have him running around, being more active out there, running around, you know, scoring off the ball more. 
not scoring, you know, by his own creation. Other guys create for him, or when he gets the ball and he's going to create for himself, make sure he still gets to the rim quickly. No, two dribbles or less. That's my new rule with Randall. I would like to see that. Two dribbles. Get to the rim. We'll be right back. Two different social media platforms today. If you want to follow my Instagram account, follow at Rob J. Carbone. If you want to follow my Facebook or Twitter account, follow at NY Sports Talk RC. All right, um, moving on. There's been a lot of, uh, you know, a couple more rumors have surfaced lately. We always get rumors, and normally I hate talking about rumors because, especially in the Knicks case, it's always just smokescreen. It's nonsense. It's it's meaningless. You know, Mark Berman trying to create clicks, um, get clicks. It's just it's annoying, right? We all agree. But again, there is nothing going on for me right now in terms of sports, so I, I feel like I, I'll cover some of these rumors. I'll talk about some of these rumors. Um, and one of the more recent rumors, uh, the Knicks potentially trading back in the draft, right? Trading back. Get assets, maybe a young player still on his rookie deal, and you know, get that 14th, 15th pick. Um, I know Orlando is that 15th pick. And, you know, another rumor that has surfaced, they are interested in Dennis Smith Jr. I think Berman put that out there. So, again, take it with a grain of salt. Um, You know, I wouldn't be completely opposed to it. I think, you know, if the Knicks, you know, if Killian Hayes is not there, um, I might consider it because Killian Hayes... Obi Toppin, even if he's not there, but I think he'll be way gone by then. Um, but yo, know, realistically, if Killian Hayes is not there by eight, I would consider it. I wouldn't be opposed to moving down, moving back, and getting that extra asset. And and I say this because you know I feel like in this draft, especially a shallower class than the last one, is pretty much a mixed bag. It's a crapshoot after your top four picks. Right, Lamelo Ball, um, Anthony Edwards, um, and you know a couple other guys. After those, you know, three, four guarantees, it's a crapshoot. You know, from from five to the teens to the to you know up to nineteen, it, it could be a crapshoot. So, with that said, why not go to fifteen and get an extra, you know? young player back while you have a chance to get the same player you could at eight potentially right and this is if Hayes is not there okay I'll consider it um you know maybe you could still get Devin Vassell um you know potentially could still get Kyra Lewis he's probably not going top eight he'll probably be picked to the 15 range Paul Reed, Aaron Naismith. You could stay put. You know, again, I'm not the biggest advocate for moving to 15, trading back. So I understand staying put. You know, you might as well just take the best player available. Don't try and get cute. 
you know, it, it's a year where the draft is not that good. Just, just fucking pick. I get that logic. And again, teams that usually trade back are ones that have a roster they're comfortable with. And the Knicks aren't in that position yet. So I understand it. Um, But, you know, there are some players there that, you know, could be picked in the middle first round range that may end up being better than the guys that are picked top eight. You know, one guy I really like and I think could be better than some of the guys who are going to be available at eight, who the Knicks could possibly take at 15, is Sadiq Bey. I've always been a big Sadiq Bey fan. One of my relatives is a giant Villanova fan, and I always I always mess with him and tell him uh, and tell him I always uh, I always tell him Sadiq Bey is coming to the Knicks, and he hates that because he doesn't want his career being ruined. But I would love Sadiq Bey, man. I would. Um, six eight forward, six eleven wingspan. You know, a three and D wing, a three and D wing. Exactly what the Knicks need most. Perimeter shooting, perimeter defense. He's got length and versatility, you know, to where he could play good team defense and good one-on-one defense. Lateral quickness, moves his hips pretty well. Doesn't get beat off the dribble a lot. And again, offensively, he's a good shooting four. Good stretch four. He's crafty to where he can create for himself off the dribble. But he can catch and shoot pretty damn well as, as well. Could be your secondary playmaker. Um, he's also a good player in transition. And the Knicks need transition players. because They need a lot. And I think you know getting someone like Sadiq Bey at 15. Um, <clears throat> I think that's fucking huge. Because I think that could give you what you were asking for in Bobby Portis. Right? Kind of that same role but he could probably give you a better version. There's a chance he could be a good player, man. Um, I've heard Karis LeVert. I think that's a little optimistic. I've also heard Jalen Brown, which might be a little optimistic. Um, one I do like is Shane Battier. Shane Battier, Battier, I think, you know, may sound boring to you, but he was a very good role player, a very solid role player. You know, I remember him with the Miami Heat. Good three-point shooter, very efficient. In a really good defensive player. Except for that time Mello dropped 50 on him. Which straight up Jays. <laughs> but yeah. Sadiq Bey is not somebody I would be opposed to. Um, again this is all considering the Knicks do. Um, you know. Trade up. I mean they could select him at 8. But it makes no sense. Why not. Trade back rather. Why not trade back. You no. Know, Get a young player and you know, select Sadiq Bay. That's a guy I like. Um, don't hate Kyra Lewis. Now, there's also the possibility they can take their 28th pick, you know, and trade up with it into the teens, but that would obviously cost a lot too. Um, they, they, again, the Knicks, what three draft picks this upcoming draft? They've got flexibility, man. They've got some flexibility. And this is a good thing. So this is one of the few good things from the New York Knicks right now. You know, this is no dire straight scenario in the draft. 
they could do some things. They've got options. So just some things to think about. There's also Tyrese Maxey, who was uh, another rumor that has surfaced lately. Um, you know, the Knicks might consider him if they're going to trade down, trade back. Because obviously Maxey's got connections with um, World Wide West and especially Kenny Payne, assistant coach, being that he's worked with him recently. So, you know, Tyrese Maxey could become in the picture. Um, now, a rumor that another rumor that has surfaced lately that I don't take serious whatsoever is the Knicks considering trading earlier in the draft for fucking James Wiseman. First of all, that doesn't make sense to me. You've got a young center in Mitchell Robinson. Um, you're trying to grow him. Getting another big who hasn't really shown much of a three-point shot either. It's just going to cause spacing issues. You know, two bigs, especially in the modern NBA, does not work. Does not work. Yeah, sure, Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard. Anthony Davis can step outside the, the, the RA. He can shoot the mid. He hit a game-winning three. In the, in the finals this year or semifinals, don't remember conference, you know it, it only works if you have guys who can modernize their game but Mitchell Robinson, Mitch is a rim runner he's a rim runner, a shot blocker James Wiseman, there's been talk of him stepping out a bit and being able to hit that J, but I don't think it's consistent yet, and I think at the end of the day they're both fives you're going to have to pick one, and that just doesn't make sense Mitch hasn't shown up to camp yet, so they're trying to make a big story out of that. But I think it's, you know, not trying to get the baby sick, obviously, during these times. I'm pretty sure that's, yeah, there's just a lot a lot of bullshit rumors out there. So, again, you have to be careful with what you read. A lot of fake news. A lot of fake news. Um, yeah, guys, uh, let's head to break one more time. And when we get back, I guess we'll wrap this thing up. Be right back. All right, fellas. So, Really quick, I just want to remind you that if you haven't subscribed to my podcast on the many different platforms that I'm on, you can do so right now. And all you got to do to do that is go to my website. Just go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Once again, in order to subscribe to the podcast and listen to the podcast or watch it on the many platforms we have, go to my website at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. You're listening to BD4. I'm your host, Rob Carbone. Thank you for stopping by, guys. Um, episode 166 of the podcast tonight. Talking Knicks. Talking Julius Randle. Talking Tom Thibodeau. Talking NBA 2021 draft. 2021 draft. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that's it, right? That's all we've got. To recap, talked about how Tom Thibodeau could use Julius Randle more at the top of the key, near the elbow, the high post, using him as a playmaker there, using him to screen and score there, using him in space more, with less traffic around him to cause turnovers, using him um, quickly, attack the open lanes immediately, you know, less time to think, more time to just react, 
using him to shoot the three, but, you know, more intelligently. Isolating with him in better scenarios. Learning to read and avoid the double team. And then we talked about the draft. You know, we talked about trading down, trading up. Um, trading DSJ to the Magic, maybe. Did we even mention that? I think we did. Um, yeah, so we talked about Sadiq Bey, how I really, really want Sadiq Bey, and how my cousin really, really doesn't want me to want him. <laughs> but um, that's it, guys. Let's get to the NYY, NYK question of the day. Alright, so last time out in episode 165, I asked you guys, who was the last team the Knicks beat in the playoffs? The answer to that was the Boston Celtics back in 2013 was the last team, I'm sorry, was the last team the Knicks beat in a round of the playoffs. Um, yeah. Uh, tonight's question, episode 166, our NYY, NYK question of the day. Which team gave the Knicks their first victory of the 2019-20 NBA season? Okay, so one more time. Which team was it the Knicks beat for their first victory of the 2019-20 season? So message me the answer on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or comment the answer um, once I publish the podcast in the comment section. Um, It's preferably that you reach me on Facebook or on Instagram, being that I'm not on Twitter nowadays. So if you want to reach me on Facebook, that is at NYSportsTalkRC, or just type in RJ Carbone. Um, And if you want to reach me on Instagram, at RobJCarbone, or just type in RJCarbone. Um, So guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast, episode 166 of BD4 of the podcast, a BD4 where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. I am Rob Carbone, your host of BD4. Um, And if you haven't subscribed to the pod, be sure to do so right now. Go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. I am tired, I am thirsty, I'm a little bit hungry, but it is late, (laughs) so I think I'm going to go to bed. Guys, thanks so much, and I'll see you maybe tomorrow if I feel like doing another one, but um, as I speak, it is a Monday night, Um, I should be releasing this podcast, and it should be up um, no later than early Tuesday morning, so thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next time, ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.